Blog Talk Radio. Hey, good evening. My name is Ryan Miner. You're listening to A Minor Detail. And uh, tonight, Eric Beasley and myself, who are the uh, co-editors of AminorDetail.com, we're going to be talking about Frederick County's Republican debate that occurred last Thursday evening. And Eric, welcome. Hey, good, uh, good to be here again as usual. Yeah, absolutely. Um, we have a full packed schedule tonight. And we're going to discuss the debate, and we'll first start out talking about the planning, and we'll talk about the aesthetics of the debate, compare it to the other two debates that took place, uh, one that happened in Montgomery County, the other that occurred in Washington County. Then we'll move on to opening statements. We'll get into the substance of the debate. We'll talk a little bit about the moderator, the responses from the candidates. We watched the debate. Uh, I did, at least, and I know Eric did. We we took copious amounts of notes. Eric and I were both in attendance. In fact, I recorded video. And overall, um, we're going to just lay out some of the positions and get into the weeds of some policy tonight. And unlike other um, blog talk radio shows hosted in Maryland, this will actually be a meaningful discussion. And we are not broadcasting from our mom and dad's basement. Right, Eric? Well, yeah, and, and see, yeah, and well, and we can talk about policy because this debate was actually about policy and about like issues that mm-hmm. these potential Congress people will be voting on, instead of you know all this other random nonsense and like you know book plugs and and whatnot. <laughs> yeah, book plugs like uh, what happened during the what was it the Washington County debate? They the story goes, and I, I just want to sidebar for a moment and, and explain what happened at the Washington County debate. Eric, you didn't go, but you heard about this incident that I and I think you know what I'm about to tell. Basically yeah, what happened. Yeah, basically what happened. They, you know, in Ginger Bigelow, they did a good job arranging the debate. They had it at the Funkstown American Legion, a good spot, a well-attended event. But they hired the war. I don't even know if they paid the guy. I'm I'm not sure. But they asked Ken Temmerman to be the nominee or the or to to be the moderator. And Ken Temmerman has been a sort of a this guy angling to be in politics in Maryland. He ran for Congress in Maryland's eighth congressional district as a Republican four years ago, and uh, and 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 got beat in the general election. He ran on the ticket with um, oh uh, Charles Lawler. And they didn't do very well. He was lieutenant governor to Charles Lawler's gubernatorial campaign in 2014. And Ken Timmerman is just kind of a jerk. I'll just say it. I don't like the guy very much. And he's all—he's also been known to be sleazy, kind of smarmy, and he prides himself as having these national security credentials. And fine, whatever. We're not going to take that away from him. But it was interesting. So two weird things happened during the – well, not just two, but two relating to – tangentially to Ken Temmerman. Before the debate began, he found Ami Hober, who is uh, one of the candidates running in this Republican primary in CD6. He, f- he found Ami Hober at the, at, at the Funkstown Legion and walked up to Hober and asked to speak with her husband. And so Mark, her husband is Mark Epstein, a uh, senior vice president at Qualcomm. So you can, you know, very successful guy. Uh, they just you know, very smart guy. He's an engineer, um, and as you can imagine, Mark is very, very succinct and precise and straight to the point. And Temmerman walked up to Mark Epstein and 
basically derided him for a good two to five minutes about not donating to his political campaign back in 2012, asking Mark Epstein, why didn't you give me – yeah, it's laughable. Why didn't you give me any money? And how could you know blah 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 and you know and and Mark was just like who, who is this guy you know, you're you're about to moderate a debate for and, and my wife is center stage and you're asking me why I didn't donate to your campaign and Mark he ba- he called Timmerman called Epstein back in 2012 and begged him like a dog for money and it's really funny and then during the debate Timmerman targeted Ami Hober specifically on this abortion nonsense. And it was sort again. of, again, which was ridiculous, but nonetheless, and then after the debate, after the debate, it got weird. He took to Facebook to criticize Ami Hober for answering the question that he asked. Like, what debate moderator does that? You, you're asked to do a job. You're not asked to give commentary. You're asked to moderate a debate and ask questions. So yeah, if, if there's anything to come out of this whole saga is that there should be two rules for debate moderators. Number one, you should not care about whatever race you're moderating. And number two, you should not be getting donations from people in attendance. Like that, that should just be the new rules. Yeah. And during the kickoff and when Timmerman was introducing the candidates and during the opening segment where he introduced the rules as well, he, he did this shameless plug and he said his books are in the back. And everyone was looking around like, are, are you serious? I mean, it was like QVC. I mean, it was like, guy, you're here to host a debate, not plug your crappy books that nobody, I guarantee you, nobody in that audience bought. I thought it was a sleazy thing to do, and I wrote about it. I haven't heard much from Temmerman other than he called me a troll because I took to his Facebook page. But that's that's who Ken Temmerman is. He's He's a sleazy kind of guy, and I just hope that in future instances they don't ask Timmerman to be involved as a panelist or as a moderator for anything. Um, but, Eric, this moderator for Frederick County was infinitely better than Ken Timmerman, and I don't even know who the hell uh, moderated the Montgomery County debate. Do you remember? Um, no. I remember there was a, there was a moderator and there's panelists, uh, but I don't even remember who moderated it, to be honest. I, I'd have to look it up. Um, I mean, no, I mean, in this case, yeah, this this debate moderator was, uh, you know, we we kind of followed our own rule, you know, the rules I just set out here in Frederick County. We wanted somebody who was not involved, um, somebody whose like scope of political activism was outside of the district, um, specifically at the national level, um, so that essentially we were able to have a, a, an unbiased person. Yeah, we yeah. and they elicited to. Um, to ask Cully, uh, Charles Cully Stimson, uh, he's a widely recognized expert in national security, homeland security, crime control, drug policy, and immigration. Currently, Stimson is a senior legal fellow at the Heritage Foundation uh, since 2007. He became manager of the National Security Law Program and Heritage's Davis Institute for International Studies. Uh, the guy is a smart guy. Um, he's done. Yeah. Well, he's te- yeah. He's testified before the U.S. Senate and House on national security issues. Uh, before joining Heritage in 2007, Stimson he served as the Deputy Assistant Secretary of Defense for Detainee Affairs. Um, he served. He advised then Secretaries of Defense Donald Rumsfeld and Robert Gates and on detention issues such as Guantanamo Bay. He is accomplished trial lawyer. 
He's been on C-SPAN, BBC, NPR, CNN, Fox News Channel, MSNBC. He law, he holds a law degree from George Mason University, where he's taught as an adjunct professor of law. And he's also an avid soccer player, triathlete, and chairman of the board of the United States Soccer Foundation. And he's a Navy guy, infinitely qualified to to host the debate. And it's really cool that they got this guy. Eric, you know, you're on the inside because you're an officer with the Frederick County GOP Club. How did they get uh, Collie to, to, to do this debate? Well, first, uh, I'm not I'm not technically an officer within the club. I just uh, I'm a I'm a hardworking volunteer of okay. the club. Um, but uh, from uh, from what I understand, uh, uh, Coley Simpson is is from this area, and okay. so we're lucky. You know, it's a um, there, there's actually a lot of uh, you know pretty prestigious people that are in this area, and so we're able to kind of you know make a phone call and see if they'll help us out. I mean, you know, I think to me at least, uh, I think the best indicator of what kind of moderator we had was the the uh, the sorts of questions that he asked. It wasn't. He he never he didn't ask like generic questions. Okay, he asked some very unique and very specific questions that had to do with other issues. Like a, a great example, he asked about um, one of the sections of the Patriot Act that authorized the um, National Security Agency to spy on foreign citizens that were in foreign countries. You know, in in a normal debate, you would expect a question like, "Should the NSA be spying on U.S. citizens?" And of course, Ryan, you and I are going to say no. But he right. asked a question that was very, you know, what, what what he was doing was he was trying to see how much the candidates actually knew about these issues, how deep their knowledge went, you know, yeah. and that type of. You know, it's like it's like when you do a job interview. Okay, the best way to interview somebody is not to you know ask, do you know how to do X, Y, or Z? It's you know you you present a scenario and you so you can get that kind of uh, you can find out their qualifications from he such out a, a poignant he, question. And and what Stimson did very well in this debate, he asked to reiterate what you just said, Eric. He pulled out specifics in policy, and we're talking about sections within. The IRS code, the Social Security Act. We're talking. You know, we talked about E-Verify in depth. Section 702 um, of the NSA surveillance program, the, the Patriot Act. He pulled out very specific articles and sections, and we went into the weeds of policy. And this is what the and this is totally germane to what members of Congress will need to vote on, especially when you know. And they have oftentimes they have their congressional staff that will um, research thoroughly. Uh, bits and pieces of a bill, but what Collie did very well is he basically unwinded several bills um, in real time and said, how would you look at this? How would you analyze this? Can you do this? And the candidates had 90 seconds to give a response, and some of the questions, I believe, were very tough. Wouldn't you say, Aaron? Oh, yeah. Oh, definitely. There were some of those. I mean, I, I was sitting in the back, like, like you know, hopping on Google to figure out what exactly the question was, to be honest with you. I mean, I, I honestly, I thought the NSA was already authorized to spy on foreign citizens just by the nature of the organization. I didn't realize that was part of the Patriot Act, you know, so I was, you know, I was sitting in the back tr- having trouble keeping up, and I'm I'm relatively well informed on a lot of these issues. Uh, Stimson's, uh, his demeanor, too, was level-headed. He controlled the debate. If candidates got out of line or if they drifted off into something that was unrelated to the question, he roped them back in and reminded them politely but forcefully that they needed to answer the question that he had asked and to please limit their responses. He stuck by the rules, and he introduced them in the opening section. 
the candidates had a minute for opening statements, and then they had a question and answer session. 60% of the questions were dedicated to domestic policy, and 40% of were dedicated to foreign policy. Cindy Schaap was our time card holder, and um, if any candidate's name was mentioned by another candidate, that said candidate had a 30-second rebuttal. And unfortunately, it was funny, at the very beginning of the debate, um, he went right into the questions, not remembering that it was actually – he actually wanted to give them an opening statement. And I think it was Robin Ficker who reminded him, well, what about our opening statement? So he offered each candidate to do an opening statement, and uh, I just want to briefly go through those statements because I think it lays out each of the candidates' vision, and it, and it uh, hones in on their specific focus and priorities in the campaign. So he started with Christopher Mason, and Mason was – it seems like in the last couple of debates, Mason has always been on the end, right? And I don't know if there was a strategic placement for this debate, so um, – or you know, as it aligned with what their current position is and um, and the debate uh, and the current lineup as far as who's leading, who's not. Because there hasn't really been any polls done, Eric, has there? There's been no, no. polls to say, you know, Hober's ahead of vote or votes ahead of Baker and Howard is – Leading vote. I don't know. There hasn't been any really pol- any polling done. No, I, I have I have received. I do live within the sixth district, and I I believe I received one polling call, uh, but it went to voicemail because uh, you know I'm a millennial and I don't ever listen to my home phone. Um, right. But uh, no, the, the the way that debate was set up was that if you were elected, um, you sat in the middle, and that was by order of precedence. That's why a delegate David vote and then uh, Commissioner Baker were there in the middle, and then uh, from there it was um, anybody who had been elected. And then after that, it was basically subjective. Okay. So that, that's, that's how debates are supposed to be. Elected officials sit in the middle. Yes. Okay. Interesting. Uh, I, I did not know that, that fun little factoid. It, it's decorum, as they okay. say. Well, <laughs> fair enough. Well, from the outside, if you're looking at the – it was held in the, uh, the American Legion Hall in Funkstown on, on Taney Avenue. Great location. A lot of space. Over 150 people showed up. It was a packed hall, and they even had a stage. The aesthetics of the of the debate looked great. There was no blue tape hanging up the sign. <laughs> that was important. Yeah, if, if only the dang Wi-Fi works better. Because uh, let me tell you, we had a we had a treat for everybody that was ready to set up, but uh, you know the technical difficulties overcame our uh, desires for awesomeness. Yeah. Well, anyway, I mean, it was still a great debate overall. And starting with Chris Mason in his open opening statement, Mason, he commented right off the bat that he just had his fifth child, number five. Fifth child. I don't know how he's alive. <laughs> he's a Marine. <laughs> so, <laughs> that's um, why. <laughs> yeah. Well, and, and, and that's really neat. And we, we offer our... Sincere congratulations and well wishes to Mr. Mason and his wife, who just had their fifth child last week. And Mason opened up, and he said that he sees the state of uh, politics. Um, He mentions Hillary and treason and said the Democratic Party is the party of treason. So he did not mince mince any words, and he commented that if you send me to Washington, he's not going to be – he will be a person who will be a patriot, not another empty suit. And he always notes that – Mason shows up in street clothes, and when I mean street clothes, 
khakis and a and a polo shirt, which is unusual for debates, but he's symbolically saying that people who wear suits and ties are the proverbial liars in Congress, and he's not going to do that. But it should be noted that should Mr. Mason be elected to the United States House of Representatives, he is required, uh, according to the House rules, to wear a shirt and tie or uh, or a bow tie, in my case, um, onto the House floor at all times, just as if you would enter to, in, in the White House during the Bush administration, uh, you could not step into the Oval Office or even the West Wing without a coat and tie. Well, come on. I mean, if you know if Hillary gets elected, then that just kind of proves that the rules don't matter. So, well, the Clintons were notoriously lax in uh, in time. They were never on time for anything. But sometimes the workway and uh, the workday and the Clinton administration didn't start until 10 a.m. Bill was a late riser. <laughs> but nonetheless, um, forceful opening statement by Painter or uh, by Mason. Then it moved on to Harold Painter. Painter commented that he lived in Allegheny County for 24 years of his 54 years in life. Um, he talked about losing jobs in Allegheny County, and he's going to work to bring jobs back to Western Maryland. Yeah, this is the, you know the kind of this typical you know the, the standard talking points for somebody who uh, who lives out that way. I mean, don't get me wrong, you know Harold Painter is a, he's a he's an entertaining fella. I gotta yeah. say, you know, I like him. So I really do. Yeah, no, it was, I, I, I do. He's, uh, he's entertaining. I'd like to have a beer with him. He, he passes <laughs> the beer test. And not only that about Painter. Painter always gives a substantive answer. I, I believe that Painter, he definitely has a lot of policy behind his hands. And being that he's a CPA, he's someone that would be great to talk tax policy on. And we'll get to that later. And then subsequent Painter's opening statement, uh, Ami Hober. Uh, she, she always opens up, and it's interesting. She opens up her uh, her opening statement by asking the audience for their vote, which I think is a strategic move because I don't believe any of the other candidates did that. You know, it's like, hey, I'm here. I, I would really appreciate your vote. And on April 26th, or in the early voting, um, she talked about bringing um, the, the, the district back to the Republicans. That she's dedicated her career to improving national security. Uh, she's worked in the, the Pentagon as the Deputy Undersecretary of the Army. She's invented programs and initiated programs. She's protected troops from unconventional warfare. She's grown a small business. She advocated for the rights and responsibilities for women, and um, you know, she wants to return the district back into the Republican hands. And just a point about her opening statement, um, the night before the debate occurred um, – Eric, uh, Delegate David Vogt released this uh, Facebook uh, attack against Hober and said something about her um, – what was it? Her uh, – a graphic that she put up saying that she's the only one with national security experience. Did you see that, Eric? Yes, I did. I, I just kind of uh, – <laughs> I didn't really know how to react, to be honest. I mean, yeah. you know, there it, – it's like, okay – and and I had I, I messaged this to this to a couple of people. I mean, essentially, Ami Hober has worked in national security since before my parents were married. Okay, yeah. so you know when we, I mean I you know I totally understand. You know, um, delegate vote was pretty much in the military the same time that I was. So I understand. Yeah, he he did spend a good chunk of his of his life doing it. But I mean, you know, Ami Hober has been 
actively in the national security world for longer than David David Vogt's been alive. And that's not a slight on either one. I'm merely stating facts before I get angry text messages. Okay, mm-hmm. um, but you know, it's that's I I, I kind of think I feel like everybody is. I feel like the more that you try to nitpick a candidate and their statements, I think it really just shows that you're threatened by them. And uh, if there's anybody that's had every single word that they've ever said nitpicked to death, it's Ami Hover so far. So, it, it, And she has. And what David Vogt put out on March 9th at 8.38 p.m., he said that earlier this week one of my opponents in the Republican primary asserted that she is the one, one all-capitalized candidate who's dedicated a career to fighting terrorism, vote went on the right with all due respect to Ms. Hober. The attempt to misguide voters couldn't be more false. And then uh, he talks about his work in the Marine Corps, which is very honorable. Um, and he said in the House of Delegates he stood up to radical Islam and that Hober's claims are not only untrue, it's disrespectful, um, that if there indeed is one candidate who has dedicated his or her career to fighting terrorism, then I think my resume speaks for itself. Ms. Hober's campaign just shows that she's another politician willing to spend whatever it takes and say whatever she needs to get elected. I'm more worried about getting things done. I think David Vogt's attack was misguided. Um, I think that Mr. Vogt, I think this attack, uh, and this is not David Vogt's words. I just don't see it. I think it's, this was, I, I mean, he has a campaign manager that is sort of aggressive. He's a young guy. I've met with him, not really a big fan of the guy. To be honest with you, I like David. David's my friend. I mean, I, I, I just don't agree with this attack. Um, people always think, oh, it's personal, Ryan. Oh, and this is always what I get. Oh, Ryan, you're in the Hober, you're in the Hober camp. No, I am in no camp. Let me let me just repeat. I am in no camp, and we'll get to that later about how the Gaithersburg parade and and other parades. But let me just say this: that this attack was just silly. He's taking a graphic and blowing it out of the context. Hober has spent her entire career fighting terrorism, fighting in the Pentagon, working her way up, and and, and as you said, Eric, uh, she's been doing this for longer than your parents have been married and longer than we have been alive, you know, for nearly 50 years. Um, and I don't think it was a slight against David. She was just saying that she's the one candidate, one being the operative word, and who has dedicated her career, another operative word, to defending this country against terrorism – and when David put out this attack, I, I mean, what do you think? Do you think he was trying to score political points here? I I don't know. I don't know what half these guys are thinking anymore. To be honest with you, I mean, look, I I get it. Like everybody, everybody is threatened by her. Everybody thinks that she's going to win. That's kind of how it's going because everybody keeps attacking her. Okay, but I mean, honestly, like the the, uh, the, the statement that I read from from delegate vote, it didn't change my mind one way or another about who I was going to vote. I I kind of. I kind of feel like it was pretty inconsequential, to be honest. I, I, I yeah. don't know what the hell's going on over there with with all the campaigns, but I mean, you know, I, I, I honestly, I'd rather hear about, you know, what our what tax policy you're going to advocate for. You know, I'd really like to know who wants to send me to Tehran or Damascus. Um, you know, that's kind of like number yeah. one on my issues. Yeah. Um, instead of you know this 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 bickering, this nitpicking. Yeah. Like this remi- this reminds me of an argument that I'd have with my little sister. Yeah. I agree. Well, let's move on, finishing opening statements and go into policy. Terry Baker, he opened it up, and this was a little bit of a diss, I believe. He wrote, he said, I do truly live in the 6th District. Okay. Well, yeah. <laughs> we know. We know you live in the 6th District, Terry. Um, he said he's a husband, parent, grandparent. He's come from humble beginnings. 
He grew up in the West End projects. And let me say this. As a fellow born and bred Hagerstonian who is only a recent Montgomery County convert and transplant, the West End projects is where my granddaddy grew up. My granddaddy's nine, 90 years old. My granddaddy was born on West Washington Street and then moved up the West Side Avenue. And Eric, if this is foreign to you, I apologize. But uh, I got are, no idea what you're talking about. Well, it's like it's regional Hagerstown. Uh, there's there, Hagerstown is divided into the north, south, east, and west section, right? And the west so, end. So it's been, like eight mile. That's what you're yeah, telling. Yeah, sort me. of like that, it, but on a, <laughs> um, a a micro level. And my granddaddy, um, Carol Richard Don Bosco Han, um, who is 90 years old, God bless him, just celebrated his 90th birthday last year uh, in July. Was born on West Washington Avenue and moved up the West Side. And then in the 40s, he enlisted in the U.S. Army, served four years, got out, married my grandmother, who grew up on Mulberry Street uh, up in the West End. And the West End, my granddaddy got this reputation as a ruffian, right? He was always, and the West End is still not a not an easy place to live um, because my granddaddy was a scrappy kid from the West End that. You know, wouldn't mind throwing down uh, a punch or two if he ever got into it. Um, and, you know, I, I appreciate that from Terry Baker when he said he grew up in humble beginnings because the West End of Hagerstown and the city of Hagerstown is that blue-collar town. It is that blue-collar um, beginnings. And my great-grandparents were never rich. Uh, my grandparents were never rich. They grew up working-class people. Uh, my grandfather worked for the city of Hagerstown for over 30 years at the, the municipal electric light plant, and uh, it's home to me, right? It's it's and I grew up. I was born and raised in the city of Hagerstown. Lived there until I was about 10, and then we moved out into the county um, near Williamsport, Maryland. But uh, I really appreciate when Her when Terry Baker talks about his background, um, and then he also said that he wants to get people. He wants to get government out of your lives and. Uh, He'll never forget where he comes from if, he, if he's elected. Um, moving on to David Vote, um, David talked about his grandmother's church and how he has the servant's heart of washing someone else's feet. Um, and he talked about being a delegate. And then Frank Howard said that he lives in Montgomery County. Um, Frank Howard actually had a, um, a decent uh, opening. It was pretty good. He talked about being a business owner and community leader, and he's known as an ideas guy. He gets things done. He's a businessman. Um, and then he said – he talked about his three-man areas being national security, reforming Congress, and bringing jobs to the 6th Congressional District. Um, then Robin Ficker stood up. Uh. Yeah, everybody kind of went. And people aren't laughing with Robin. They're laughing at him. He stands up. He, he looks like a, uh, a, a, you know, a boxing announcer when he speaks, stands up. And he said – he just talks about this two new reversible lanes on 270 – and you don't have to run and, – and okay, but Ficker never really says how he's going to get it done. Um, and then, Eric, I don't know if you noticed it at the very end. He said that this is his last sentence in his opening remarks. He said, hope we're going to be a Ficker picker on April 26th. Did you hear that? I don't know if you heard that slight diss. <laughs> no, I, I I didn't. Like, you got to go back I, and listen I, to the video. I'll have to because honestly when I when I heard him from the back, I mean it, it, it was just like – Yammering. I mean, I, I I had to struggle to focus because yeah. he kept just just turned into mumbles because my head was mm -hmm. like I cannot process this lack of intelligence speaking in front of me. I, 
I just think, I mean, saying that Hober going to be a thicker picker on April 26th, Robin Ficker is obsessed with Ami Hober. It's evident. It's clear. It's obvious. Robin Ficker is losing. He hasn't raised a single dollar in this congressional race. He has but like one person supporting him, and this guy never even voted for himself in the ele- in this in the debate, right? You know, you yeah, in the straw poll, he right. he got zero votes. Zero okay. votes. Zero. Yeah. Zero. Like not one. Zero. So I mean, I think that kind of tells you all you need to know. Topping off the closing statement was Dr. Scott Chang, and he said if elected, his first priority is to create jobs, repeal Obamacare, protect and protect America. Um, he's a scientist, and uh, he wants to take care of America first, and he encouraged people to visit his website. And now I really like Dr. Chang. He's a nice guy, and my concern is is that the, the million-dollar elephant in the room, the 500-pound the, the elephant, is that it's – Dr. Chang is the communication barrier is is difficult at times, and this is not. I mean, this is. It's. I I just. It's hard to understand him. Yeah, it's it's really hard. I mean, we we always like tiptoe around this, but yeah, that's the problem. When you can when you can understand what he's saying, he what he says is amazing. But it it is, and you can't you can't tell how amazing it is when you can't understand him. And he's a very smart guy. He really is. Oh yeah. Um, yeah, he's very he's he's very eloquent. He does have a, a good way of putting things when he when he can communicate them properly. And it's nothing. It's just you know he's from China and uh, he hasn't mastered the English language, and many of us haven't mastered the English language. But it's just difficult. But I think that Dr. Chang, what he does say, what he does uh, utter, is rooted in substance and conservative ideology and thought. Yeah, I mean, honestly, he I, I kind of look at him and like Harold Painter in kind of the same category. You know, they they are very like this is they, they whether you agree with what they want to do or not, they do have a logical consistency to all of their positions. Right. Which I, so I can really appreciate. I agree. Let's get to the first question. Um, Stenson asked about student loans and finding good jobs. The first question was directed to Washington County Commissioner Terry Baker. And he asked Baker, "What advice do you have to college students who uh, you know are going to take on debt? And uh, what would you do as a member of Congress to soften the burden of the debt?" And Baker said that students should understand before going to college that that debt will never be forgiven. He talked about low interest loans. He talked about how those loans would never be forgiven. There's many scholarships out there. And let's note, incidentally, that Baker was a career teacher of trades in Washington County Public Schools. Baker, when he said he went to college, um, he was an un- industrial arts major, and by the time – and he also said something interesting. He said by the time kids are in 10th grade, we should probably know where they should go. I don't know if I necessarily agree with that because when I was in 10th grade, I really didn't have any clue or path of where I wanted to go in my life. I mean it was like business, become a lawyer, uh, become a music major, and I'm like I-, I don't know what I want to do. I mean I've changed my mind like 100 times. I still don't. I'm 30 well, years did- old and I – I mean, I have a, a, a sort of an idea of what I want to do in my life, and it's to be successful, to provide for my family, and to have a lucrative career uh, in 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 multifaceted uh, uh, areas of of the world. But I, you know, I'm sort of like a a Renaissance man. I I don't know really what I want to do with myself. I just know I like a lot of things. Uh, you know. 
But. Well, see, what, what I heard, because I, I, I completely understand where, where Commissioner Baker is coming from. I mean, sure. you know, there there are a lot of, like, ways you can prepare to actually have a successful career, and that starts in high school. You know, you, you start learning things, you know, you, you want to start learning those things sooner rather than later. You don't need to wait for college. You know, there's a lot of uh, – you, you hear about um, – a lot of the schools around here, you know, they have the programs where you can take college classes in lieu of your high school classes, and then you get double credit. You get high school and college credit for the classes. So, I mean, yeah. what he was kind of pushing for was stuff like that, which is completely, perfectly meant, makes sense to me. I mean, I think it'd be great if you could come out of high school as a, as a licensed, you know, HVAC tech or, oh, uh, you know, have have your uh, commercial driver's license coming out of high school. You know, I, th- I think that's where he was going. So, hey, thumbs up. I'm totally with you. Yeah, many kids that are told to go to college, there's this mentality that if you don't go to college, you can't be successful in life. And I can tell you, my father, my stepfather, uh, they never got a college degree, and they're they're doing pretty well. Uh, yeah, Brian, I don't I, have a college degree. <laughs> I mean, well, well I mean, you know. Exactly, but th- this idea that you have to have a college degree in order to be successful is a fallacy. It's ridiculous. Mm-hmm. Um, it's, complete, it's, completely, it's a false dichotomy. I, I agree. Yep. So, and then Howard, he talked about keeping interest rate, uh, rates low. He talked about um, the debt, and he would encourage young people to go to. Howard did say that he would encourage young people to go to college. Um, and what I really liked about Hober's or uh, Howard's response is that he said, "I have, in my opinion, been living the American dream." He's a businessman. He did well. Frank, Frank's an Air Force veteran. He went into the Air Force. Um, and he said that he has a plan, and part of his plan is tax reform. He supports tax reform, and um, he need we need to get the economy growing again, and tax and, re- and regulations have gone up too far. And then Chris Mason got the question. He said the reason why kids can't pay for college is because government got involved with college, and which is brilliant, actually. Mason had a great 100% debate. 100% correct. Yeah, and he said the same thing with the housing crisis, subsidizing college loans. It drives up the cost. And when government get involved, it reduces competition. It's like with anything, when government gets involved, competition drops. And Mason did a really good job of articulating that. Um, mm-hmm. So, and he wrote, "You don't encourage everybody to go to college, and what good is college a degree when everybody has one?" And to an extent, Mason has a point, doesn't he? Yeah, you know, he he's completely he's a hundred percent accurate on this okay you know in hell in in my field okay in it you know every single job they want a degree for in it but the reality is is that probably half the jobs you don't actually need a degree for a degree makes you overqualified or makes you qualified for a different position right. you know but there's this this continual like corporate insistence on you have to have the degree it doesn't matter if the degree is relevant to you or not i mean i know i in my company we have a guy who's working in an it field that mandates that he has a degree and he has a theology degree for crying out loud, okay? Yeah. I am 99% sure there's nothing in the Bible that says anything about how to, you know, how to run security scans on a computer system, but yeah. that degree makes him qualified for that position. So, you know, Mason was, he, he was, see, this is what bugs me the most about Christopher Mason. The guy is <laughs> right on so many issues, but he just doesn't, He's not serious about it. He doesn't take that. He doesn't take his campaign to the next level of actually being a serious contender. I don't know whether Chris is going to be successful in this race or not, and I'm going to go lead on the side of probably not. And that's not a slight against Chris. I'm, I'm, I'm just. I think that we're looking at this race, and with our realistic lens on, Eric, Chris has a bright future in whatever he does because 
Chris is smart, and he has a policy. I would tell him to yeah, – I know he's a Trump guy, and I can respect that, but um, you know, his Twitter feed could scare a few people. And it's nothing against Chris because I like him a lot, but people have commented to us, you know as well as I do, that some things that Chris writes on Twitter is very aggressive. Yeah, look, if he, in, in 10 years, if he chills out a little bit and gets organized, gets involved, and gets a decent campaign together, he'll be a pretty good elected representative at whatever level he gets elected to. But yeah. he, he's, you know, th- <laughs> I'm just going to say it because I can. He's a Marine. you gotta, you got to stand the edges down a little bit before you can <laughs> release them out into the wild. Yeah. So, and then he topped off his response that if you want to go to college, go in the military. Brilliant. I, I, I agree 100%. Guys, if you want to take it, if you want to go into our country, serve your country, uh, and and let's and I want to just say one thing. When I was 18, going into college, I was actually 17 because I have a late birthday. I'm born in November. Um, I didn't turn 18 until my freshman year of college. I don't think I was ready to go to college. I wasn't even mature enough to go to college. And I said, and that just proves because I said some dumb things like when I was in college that have like come <laughs> back to bite me, right, Eric? I mean, yeah, I said you you did. You said some really dumb stuff. Right. I was an idiot. Like I was this dogmatic, hard-driven, political science kid that wanted to change the world and thought, oh, man, I'm at this Catholic conservative university, and then I'm going out there talking about gay people, and, and, and people were like, would you shut up, Ryan Miner? Who are you? Who are, what, are you what are you doing? You're going to ruin your life. And lo and behold, they were right. My parents were like, Ryan, what are you doing? Like, you're, you can't say that kind of stuff. And it's not like – I don't even know why I said it. It was, it was ridiculous. Um, yeah, it, it was dumb. You know, hey, you know, that's, that's what people do when they're young. They do dumb things. I, I did some dumb things, um, <laughs> admittedly, and I wish I didn't, and people still bring that up. Robin Ficker still brings that up and says that I'm a hate-filled person. Does Robin Ficker have any does, – does, which – and it's hard to like – you know, it's hard to say. Okay, it's been ten years since that in- incident happened. Well, in ten years, um, I one grew up, <laughs> right? You know, I I grew up. Um, I got fatter. Um, my I'm I'm balding, and uh, I'm I'm thinking. Okay, Robin Ficker, ten years ago. Wait, oh wait, no, Robin Ficker hasn't changed from ten years ago. Um, yeah, he was still losing elections ten years ago. So yeah, and thirty years ago. <laughs> But nonetheless, we say things in college that are idiotic, that are stupid. And the grand point that I'm trying to make is when I was going into college at 17, I wish I would have instead went into the military. That would have taught me discipline. That would have taught me how to basically gauge my entire lifestyle with, you know, with a greater cause in mind. And I, and I have that to a sense now. But I wish I would have gone into the military and then I could have taken advantage of the GI Bill. It had a greater awareness of where I wanted to take my life at maybe a later point in my life, and I would have appreciated it more than I did. And that is self-reflection that you know I can self-reflect. I can't get the time back. But like you, Eric, I wish I would have went into the military um, and would have taken advantage of that. Now, I don't have any – in full disclosure, I don't have any student debt um, except for I'm in graduate school now. I, ha- I have um, – I'm going to have some student debt after I graduate then, but um, – I, I wish I would have done a little bit differently. Yeah, and you know, on a, and you know, back to kind of what what Chris Mason said. I mean, that's 
you know, as far as I'm concerned, if you want free college, then go spend four years, you know, swabbing the decks on a boat or, uh, you know, running through the, the southeastern United States jungles doing training. Like, yeah. there's your free college. Like, quit whining and trying to take my tax money so that you can go to college for your gender studies degree and then become a professional protester afterwards. Yeah. I mean, I went to school for political science as my undergraduate, and I would have do I would do it a little bit differently. I had some great teachers, professors, but I would have focused on something. Um, I, I would have been more strategic. Um, instead of a liberal arts degree, I would have gone for um, maybe a degree in business or Eric, I would have done something in IT because they are such that is such in high demand right now. I, I encourage everybody to consider yep. IT, something in IT. I really do. Yeah, heck, I get, I get job offers at least like twice a month from random companies that are headhunting. I always turn them down, obviously, but you know, it's yeah, it's if you want a job and you want to be successful, then that's where you go. You go into STEM, okay? Yeah. You go into something that's actually going to mm-hmm. create something better. Yeah, and and there's a lot of programs. Um, you know, there's a lot of programs out there, especially in high schools. Where they're focusing on STEM, they really are. So, actually, uh, shameless plug, Ryan, just if you don't mind, real quick. So, actually, uh, speaking of, uh, here in Brunswick, uh, actually, a friend of mine, uh, Chris Vigliotti, um, is going to be setting, starting what's called Hackerspace, and he's going to be doing exactly what we just described. Um, We're going to be taking kids, and we're going to be teaching them how to program, how to use computers. Um, You know, after they get used to it, I'm going to teach them how to hack the computers. Um, So, you know, shameless plug. if you're interested, you know, they're uh, brunswickhackerspace.com, Facebook group, all that uh, good stuff. Yeah. Well, ah, the luxuries of having your own show, right? <laughs> to piggyback off your shameless plug, I want to pl- I want to plug William Warren, who is the owner of Emanuel Technology Consulting. William is a, is a brilliant person. Um, his website is et, etc-md.com. He is a technology consultant. Eric, you introduced me to him. He has done great things for aminordetail.com. Um, if there's any testimony of doing of going the extra mile, I can say that William Warren is a hero for a minor detail dot com. Uh, <laughs> yeah. I won't go in, he, We won't go into he saved detail, the website, that's for sure. <laughs> um, but he is someone brilliant. And if you have IT needs or want to host on, on a server um, and interested in doing anything that is uh, IT related uh, or in general with the internet. Um, Eric, you can talk more, but we'll, we'll get on. But I just want to say, Emmanuel yeah. Technology Consulting, William Warren. He's also based in Brunswick. His website is etc-md.com. So I want to move on to um, the next question. The moderator asked about, are you against Obamacare? And talk about a plan. He asked them for a specific plan that they would support to replace it. None of the candidates who were asked the question really responded to which plan, which sort of unnerving because we want our candidates to, to say, okay, well, I support uh, this person's plan or that person's plan. But they did give a generality of ideas about Obamacare. The first question went to Ficker, and it was sort of an interesting thing. Ficker <laughs> always dances around policy questions, and Robin Ficker is really not that skilled in answering detailed policy questions. Would you agree, Eric? I don't think he's skilled at answering anything, to be honest. I mean, he always, you know, it always comes, all he says is two reversible lanes in Western Maryland. Like, like, it's like the buzzword. (laughs) It's like, it feels like he's on Twitter when he answers a question because he can't actually respond long enough to get to a point. Well, he said this. 
Um, he talked about promoting a healthy lifestyle among the youth. The kids today aren't getting enough exercise in the schools. Just look at the taxes, increased premiums. He did talk about opening competition across the state lines, which I do agree with. He said, let's discourage the use of alcohol and cigarettes and illegal drugs. Stop importing this poison, and I assume he means heroin, across our southern border, and we have to set an example for healthy living. Well, no offense to you, Robin Finker, and notwithstanding that I actually agree with supporting healthy living, but I don't want the government telling me how I should I just don't I don't need another Michelle Obama and Nanny inside of my house and in my ear. Yeah, I mean and it, you know actually uh, David Vogt mentioned that in his uh, in his response to this question. He did. It was right after stickers was you know it's it's not the government's job to tell people how to live their lives. I mean, that's yeah. what a big government... I mean, it's pretty ironic that Ficker was professing his support for Trump the entire time, because okay. Trump is also a big government, you know, like nanny... Authoritarian. ...type politician. Yeah, and so, so is Robin Ficker. You know, he was, yeah. you know, at the... at um, Previously, he had said, you know, that he would... Basically, he would... Um, blackmail Tim Cook, the CEO of Apple, to move an Apple factory to Funkstown, okay? So now he's saying that he's going to tell you what you can eat and when you can eat it and how much of it you can eat and whether or not you as an adult can have a beer or smoke a cigarette or have a cigar, you know? So, I mean, you know, again, Ficker is nothing more than just a big government, you know, nanny state, fake Republican. I agree. I will not be a Ficker picker. Um, and, and, um, to move on, you know, the answers were pretty generic. Um, Dr. Chang said he talked about the increase of premiums and to repeal Obamacare and David Vogt said, um, it's caused a trickle down effect. You have to repeal it and get rid of it. Um, and then he talked, and I think this was sort of another diss to Hober. Um, I don't know why, but he said that he would repeal it and get rid of it instantly, but he would not use federal dollars to support abortion and to pay for abortion coverage. But, um, I just want to point out that later in this debate, um, Ami Hover did support the, and, and said she would support the Hyde Amendment. Yeah, I mean that's and and what reasonable person wouldn't? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> you know, <laughs> um, and, and, I mean it's not it's not rocket scientist science here. It's 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 a pretty simple, like straightforward thing. You know, the same way that I can't force the government to buy me a gun, like <laughs> I the government can't pay for an abortion like yeah. <laughs> this is not this is no nonsense pretty easy so let's go into the first lightning round simpson asked uh do you think uh he asked about roe v wade was roe v he and the question that was posed to each of the candidates was roe v wade decided incorrectly and all but hobert well, said or wrongly decided and all all the seven men said yes, except for Ami Hober, but she did expound upon that. Um, well, hold on, great... Ryan, because hold on, Ryan, because the question, like like I said earlier, Coley Stinson asked some very unique questions. It wasn't as simple as do you support abortion, you know, blah blah blah. What he asked was, he said, liberal Supreme Court Justice Ruth Bader Ginsburg has said she believes the 1973 decision in Roe v. Wade was wrongly decided. Was it? Okay, and all, everybody except Ami Hober said no. Uh -huh, great point, okay. Eric. So, so see, so here's the thing. All right, if you actually go back and look at what Ruth Bader Ginsburg said, she said that she was opposed to essentially the procedure behind Roe v. Wade. This was made in 2013 at a speech at the University of Chicago, and her opposition was based on procedure. 
where she says that she would have preferred a more gradual process of securing abortion rights through state legislatures as well as the courts. Okay, right. so you know, and, and this is this which is, is power one, and, of, which is, of, and I I just want to interrupt that okay. sort of an interesting libertarian style position, isn't it, Eric? Well, yeah. I mean, it, uh, honestly, the thing is, is that a lot of these justices, they do. I, I, I personally think they don't like having to decide on moral issues like this. Okay, yeah. that you know, they honestly, this is an issue for the legislature. Roe v. Wade, yes, it should not have been decided the way that it was. Okay, right. but, but because the legislature, just like, just like with the gay marriage ruling, okay, over, um, Overfell, that that should have gone through the state legislature, through the legislative right. process, and not through the judicial process. Okay, so, so here's the wonders of marketing okay so think about this and i want all the listeners to think about this too okay i could right now put up an article that states all male candidates in the sixth congressional district republican primary agree with uber liberal pro-abortion ruth bader ginsburg (laughs) okay and i would not be lying that would be 100% factual in my reporting there would be no what you you couldn't say that you know, and and so this this is the power of marketing. This is why you actually have to understand what the question was and what the question was asked. Okay, that that's why I wanted to, I I had to interrupt you. So you know, it, I think it's really important for people to actually go and look and see what Ruth Bader Ginsburg said about Roe v. Wade and yeah. and and understand what the question was. To be honest with you, I don't think anybody up there on the table actually understood the question. I know when I was sitting in the back, I was listening to it, and so I went up and I looked up real quick what Ruth Bader Ginsburg had said, and I was like, well. The correct answer, you know, the correct answer is yes, but you, it's not because of being opposed to abortion, but it's because of the difference between the legislature and the judiciary. Well, I'm glad you clarified that because um, I did that intentionally so that you would because people think that Roe v. Wade, they haven't actually read the case. And I encourage anyone out there that, who is listening, read what Roe v. Wade was about. Go ahead and read Everything, and despite what some people out in Maryland that have hit Hober hard, Hober's response was pretty right on. Would you agree, Aaron? Yes, Roe v. Wade was about medical privacy. Okay, and, and, and I've written about this before. Legislation has first order effects, and second and third order effects. Okay, so the second order effect of Roe v. Wade was abortion became legal. The first order effect was medical privacy. So the same thing that basically that the same thing that prevents somebody from going and getting your medical records without your permission is the same thing that allows abortion. Okay, right. people. So and and we as conservatives, we make ourselves look like idiots when we run around, comment on laws that we frankly have no comprehension of. We, we, we haven't even read the dang Well, thing. it's the way that Roe v. Wade was branded that everybody yes. thinks it was branded for people to believe abortion. It means abortion. But there's much more nuance in that decision. So, But anyway, let's, let's move on um, to, the, to the next lightning round. They all said that they would vote to support the Hyde Amendment. Um, yes. They all said Which they should. Yes. And to defund Planned Parenthood, the only one that had a even a marginally different answer was Hober, who said probably. Um, but I mean, I I haven't asked her what probably means, so I can't. I'm not going to comment. Yeah. Um, I, I mean, honestly, I I think that it 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 was a very broad question. 
And I think that if, uh, you know, I, I believe that if it was a much a more specific question, I'm pretty sure that probably would become a yes. Okay. Yeah. I mean, think about it. If you support the Hyde Amendment, that means you don't support federal funds going to pay for abortions. Okay. But the unfortunate reality is that, yes, there are some Planned Parenthoods that offer some services outside of abortions, okay, and that do offer some community health stuff. Now, don't get me wrong. I would defund the, I'd defund every single organization. I don't think the government should be sending money to organizations no. like that, period. Okay. And, right. and that's basically. I don't think so see, either. I, yeah, I, I, but see, quite frankly, I don't care if it's the Wounded Warrior Project or Planned Parenthood, okay? Just get the government out of it. Let me write my check to what organizations I want. I'll deduct it from my taxes. Problem solved. I mean, that's my, that's my fix for it. So, yeah. you know, I mean, maybe, you know, maybe we'll have to ask her, Ryan, and we'll write an article. <laughs> yeah, and, and I think that we try to we, – we've given every candidate on a minor detail a fair shake. Now, we each have individualized opinions, but collectively as – the opinion of our website, um, Eric, you and I have gone out of our way to give every candidate an opportunity. Now, I, I, I do, I do take umbrage with Robin Ficker, who is not a serious candidate, um, and he's and he consistently shows that. I mean, just today he posted a picture uh, of from my Instagram account uh, that um, was of <laughs> me, Kim, and I and Hillary Clinton up at a New Hampshire rally. The photograph was taken on February the 6th. We were in Concord, and we went up to see Hillary when we spent two weeks in New Hampshire um, before the primary. And uh, he's like, uh, I don't know, he posted something about us being Hillary supporters, which is the, the dumbest thing that Robin – I mean, other than um, you know, other than losing his law license twice and being expelled from West Point, it was a pretty dumb for thing. For berating a nurse. Yes, yeah, don't forget that. For berating a nurse. <laughs> When he broke his foot. But anyway, let's move on. Um, taxes. Taxes. It's always something that should come up in a Republican yep. debate. Um, let's I mean, see. and honestly, too, the, all the candidates were pretty – basically, it was flat tax, fair tax. They were. And uh, were the, I don't know if we really have to get into the weeds of this uh, because, you know, I'm, trying, I'm just looking at some of their – I took notes on all their responses. Um I think Mason. the most interesting one that I saw was Chris Mason, because um, his theory was to inverse the tax structure, basically have the states collect all of the income tax, and then states send that money to the feds. Which has been a proposal for many years in, in conservative circles, right? Yeah, I mean, I, honestly, I'd be fine with that. I, I'm totally okay with that. You know, let, Which is a consumption like that, tax. Yeah, it's, it's it's essentially Mason's a fair tax advocate, you know, and, and yeah. I can't say anything bad about the fair tax because Mark Schaff will call and yell at me. I do like uh, it, though. So. <laughs> I do like the fair tax, um, and Mark Schaff, who is the president of the Republican Club of Frederick County, can tell you more. And if you want to know all about the fair tax, reach out to Mark Schaff because he is an expert on the fair tax policy. Um, yeah, we we can't do it justice here, to be honest. Ask him. No, and 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 that should actually be another show where we have Mark come on and he can he can detail and unwind the fair tax. Um, yeah. I think that would be an interesting show. Um, so basically, all the candidates were squared on on taxes. Um, and then let's see, Ficker was asked, and then he, he just keeps talking about. He says he's not going to go down to the hill to increase taxes on anyone. He's going to go down there to get two new reversible to, to lanes. Um, and then he's going to go down and stop tax increases. Howard said high taxes is a major impediment 
to small businesses. Howard is definitely correct. He talked about tax reform on major corporations. And so Simpson colleague asked about what rate Howard would be comfortable at, and Howard said 17%, and he then transitioned to say that he would like to move into more of a fair tax. Um, then he yeah. asked Harold Wagner, who's actually a CPA, and he said his two cents applies to corporations and corporate inversion. He would bring your money back to America and target it where it's brought back. Um, he'd give you a break uh, on taxes. And and then um, we went in to talk about trade, Eric. We talked about yeah. um, free trade. Most of the candidates were in agreement that free trade is something that is good. However, the morning that the morning of the debate last Thursday, there was an, a front page article in the Wall Street Journal. I get a subscription to the Wall Street Journal and the Washington Post every day. And on the front page of the Wall Street Journal, it said Republicans are interestingly enough turning against free trade. See, and this is this is one of those like this is one of those really divisive issues, I think, within Republican circles. You got half that are for it, half that are against it. And yeah. you know, again, this is this is this is second, third order consequences of legislation. You know, um, you're, you're, um, I know in uh, Ami Hober's response, she uh, specifically mentioned that NAFTA resulted in 1,500 jobs lost in District Six. Right. And she believes you know the Trans-Pacific Partnership will make us lose some more. Um, you know, there there are there are instances where free trade, like yeah, we should. We should probably have free trade, okay? Um, you know, a good example, okay? Canada is Canada and Mexico are two are the two largest importer like trade partners for the United States. I mean, it makes sure. sense because they're right next to us, okay? So I could understand having free trade there. Now, when you compare that to say free trade with like China, where we do know that their central bank actually is actively involved in currency manipulation to make their prices more competitive, then you know what? We can kind of throw that free trade out the window because the other guys they're not playing by the rules. You know, it's kind of like if you're if you're playing Counter Strike and somebody's running around with a with a with an aimbot, so they always shoot you in the head when you're playing your game. Like you might have to kind of cheat to win yourself. But with often with trade and, and these trade agreements, and you look at NAFTA, and Bill Clinton was the uh, the primary author of NAFTA. Yep. Could you make a case that free trade is an affront to some of our workers, Eric? I think in some cases, yes. Okay, um, in 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 the case of NAFTA, I mean, you look at the cost of living between the U.S. and Mexico. So obviously, when you when you have you can get cheaper labor without having tariffs, you're going to send your jobs to Mexico. Okay, mm-hmm. now compare you know the cost of living between the U.S. and Canada, U.S. and Great Britain, U.S. and Australia. Okay, when you look at countries like that, there's similar cost of living, similar standards of living. You know, I think that free trade should, if if you want to make it more fair if you will, you know, you have free trade agreements with other countries that, you know, share your same standards of living and your same, you know, OSHA requirements, okay, because I think that U.S. workers can compete against Canadian or British or French or Australian workers because they're on a pretty similar playing field, you know. Mm -hmm. Well, let's move on because we have have only about another 32 minutes. Um, The next portion was talking about national debt. Um, up to $19 trillion. Um, <laughs> Baker always has this consummate one line that he uses. He said, if we continue to borrow more money than we bring in, you're going to be in the poorhouse, which is true. I mean, it's like you break it really down. It, 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 it's true. Um, yeah, it, it, it's kind of duh logic here yeah. <laughs> that no politicians um, understand. Yeah. Um, and then, then Ficker 
said he listened to the Democratic debate last night, which was last Wednesday. He keeps talking about this Trump Cruz Ficker ticket, and I can tell you that if Donald Trump and Ted Cruz met Robin Ficker, they would have they would want absolutely nothing to do with this guy. I'm telling you, like Donald Trump would would treat him like a Chris Christie knockoff. I mean, he would tell him get off the stage and go home. Um, I, I think he'd look at him and say, "You're fired." <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and, and and that's that's happened many many times before. Um, so, and this is where this is where the debate sort of got interesting. Um, let's see. He talked about um, something about elections, right? And he hasn't, he didn't. And then Ficker sort of went into this like weird sub issue that. Um, Hober and Howard didn't vote in elections and primaries, and then he mentioned Hober's name. And I mean, whenever Ficker, I mean, Ficker got angry. He looks like an angry old guy up there, and it just it did not look good. Yeah. And and then Hober responded that she's voted in um, every single general elections, and she and she said she look she didn't misspoke during the last debate. She didn't have her voting record in front of her. Um, and then Howard was like, uh, oh, and then Ficker said that she lied. Red Maryland is going out saying that she's lied. And, I mean, Red Maryland are the biggest liars in Maryland, so I would just. <laughs> we'll just leave uh, that there. <laughs> yeah, no, we won't say anymore. Um, and then <laughs> Frank it was, Howard. Was, it was a bunch of, yeah, it was a bunch of hubbub about nothing, about pointless chilling. crap. Okay, I mean, seriously, like, is, 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 you know, what law says that somebody has to vote in every single primary? I mean, hell, I have voted in one Republican primary in my freaking life. One. All right. Now, yeah, of course, more active because, than 99% of people in politics. Yeah. Now, and, and if you ask me why have you only voted in one, Eric, well, it's because when I was in the military, I had California residency. And California had a stupid law stating that the absentee ballots had to be sent out like 30 days before the general election. And my absentee ballots never made it on time. Like when I was in Iraq, I got my absentee ballot at the end of January, okay, for the uh, 2006 election. All right. So uh, obviously, like I tried to vote, but California is a bunch of corrupt Democrats, so I wasn't able to. Okay. I mean, this, it's, it's this whole line of attack. It's completely pointless. Okay. I mean, it's 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 a waste of time. <laughs> That's all I but got then to there was, about that. But speaking of something not being pointless, let's talk about what happened after Robin Ficker took on Hover and Howard. The moderator oh, yes. did, did something extraordinarily interesting. He pivoted quickly and put Robin Ficker in his place. And after this question and after the response, you noticed a discernible difference in Robin Ficker's demeanor. Did you not, Eric? And we'll get to the question. But we, were, yes, Tim and I, were talking he, he about this a, today. He did a 180 after this question. He actually started acting like he was running for a political office. He calmed down and he did not mention another candidate at all after this question. Well, the question was: Stimson asked him about his West Point record, and he said that a comment under Vickers Facebook said that. Ficker was he yeah, he had gone to West Point and and Ficker he asked him to address it you know you had an honorable discharge as a PFC as a PFC Eric you want to explain this 
I, I so this this is I, I had actually had a conversation with a friend about this yesterday. Um, Army regulations are like the most horrendous bureaucratic nonsense you could possibly imagine. Okay, so I'm going to try to make this simple. When you go to a service academy like the like West Point, Annapolis, whatever, if you go and you become injured and you are discharged from that academy because of an injury you sustained while there. Say you were on a training exercise and you broke your leg and it's never going to heal back again. You can't be in the military. The military will honorably discharge you. They give you a VA rating because your injury was a result of training. for Essentially, training exercises count as service-connected injuries. And they discharge you as a E5, a sergeant, or a petty officer, depending on the service. And... The fact that Ficker was discharged as a PFC is extremely it, – it, it sends up red flags on my Army bureaucracy. Okay, mm-hmm. there's, there's – if you – first off, you can't be in the military for six years and only be a PFC. Um, if you are still a PFC after three years in the military, you're automatically discharged. It's called a retention control point. So – what my gut tells me as being somebody who was actually in the military and actually, you know, passed basic training is that Robin Ficker was special case so that he would get his honorable discharge because of his father-in-law, who he brags, has bragged many times about being a three-star general. Um, interesting to note that in 1963, according to People Mag- a 1992 People Magazine article, that was written around Robin Ficker's professional sports heckling, they mentioned that Robin Ficker was thrown out of West Point for having for having amassed too many demerits and that the demerits were around harassing a nurse when he was injured his leg. Now, you notice yes. in his response, Eric, Ficker said he attended West Point for 30 months. He's the only candidate blah, 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 to have an honorable discharge from the U.S. Army, and that, uh, and he sort of deflected to saying that he was the king of the pits in hand-to-hand combat against the Marines, and he took these guys for, like, whatever. He never answered the question, and the question really nope. was, what, what I, wish, I wish he asked a little bit differently, however, but the question was, Robin Ficker, were you kicked out of West Point? And the answer is, Eric... Well, the answer is yes. Okay, West Point is four years. You are there for 48 months. So yeah, if you were only at West Point for – yeah, you, you, that's how long you're there. Okay, in West Point, you don't get summer vacation and stuff like that. Okay, I think you <laughs> no. get uh, a, you know, a few weeks to go home over like Christmas and stuff. But during the summertime, you're training. You know, during the school year, you're in class. And so, you know, what he, he in a roundabout way, admitted that he was kicked out of West Point and he never actually graduated. And so, you know, this whole, like, parsing of words, like, okay, yeah, sure, he's the only person who was, quote, in the U.S. Army, all right, while he's sitting right next to, you know, Frank Howard, who did four years in the Air Force, Christopher Mason, who was a Marine, Delegate David Vogt, also a Marine, okay, it's that parsing of words, it's that sleazy lawyer talk is what it is, you know, that, that's, and that's who Ficker is, he's a sleazy lawyer, okay, he, he uses phrasing like that to make people think that he's the only, quote, veteran on the stage when he's not. No. And <laughs> I, I applaud Ficker for serving. I do. Okay. I'm not going to take to that. Serve. I get but to say that. I, we can applaud him for do. trying to make it in the army. You do. You do get to say that. 
But the facts are, Robin Ficker was kicked out of West Point Military Academy for being an asshole. <laughs> yeah, that's <laughs> nothing more to say about that. Let's move on, and as the moderator said, let's lighten this up a bit. Coke or Pepsi? Um, yeah, you, you got to take a little break after that uh, that interaction right there. Yeah, um, Chang said Pepsi. Ficker said he's a Coke stockholder. <laughs> Howard said Pepsi. Vote said Pepsi. Baker said Pepsi. Hober said neither. And I must say, I've never seen. I don't think I've ever seen Hober drink anything related to Coke or Pepsi. Um, she seems Peter like a said, tea kind of person to me. Hober seems like a tea person. Yeah, yeah. that definitely a tea or or, or coffee. Um, it may, maybe a ginger ale when she's feeling like adventurous. <laughs> <laughs> um, Painter Pepsi Mason Coke. Eric, I'm a Coke guy. What do you think? You know, I so I'm weird Diet because Coke. I drink Pepsi Max or Coke Zero. Um, mm. So <laughs> I, I I I I play both sides of the fence. I think it's important that we clarify what Ami Hober's favorite drink is. Yes, we we should definitely. Uh, I, you know, I'm going to ask her about that tonight, and uh, you know, because I'm that's that's like the question everybody in the district wants to know: Coke or Pepsi? Yes, Ami Hober, what is your favorite drink uh, as a congressional candidate? Um, then they asked. Then then the moderator asked. Besides the Bible, list the last great book you've read. And Mason had a funny. Um, oh my gosh. Oh my god! This is see. This is why I love Marines. Okay, Marines are are adorable. Um, he said he read a commentary on the Bible. <laughs> pretty good. Yeah. I, 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 and then Painter made a. I mean, Painter had me rolling laughing. Right. I'm, I'm over there recording, and he said, he said the last book I read was probably in college. <laughs> but, <laughs> but you know, Painter being a CPA, he has constantly has to read. Up on tax policy, so I, I think but that. Yeah, I don't think he counted the IRS tax code as a book. Yeah, um, Hober said she hasn't read a book in a year and a half. She's been too busy campaigning. Um, Baker said he can't remember, but as a young man, it was the autobiography of Arthur Arthur Ashe. Vote said the Traveler's Gift. I don't even know what that is. Do you know what that is? No, I have no idea. Howard said bio of Ronald Reagan. Ficker said, um, Maryland Court of Appeals opinion for 2015, and maybe Ficker should read the local permitting office for where to place campaign signs. Um, <laughs> and Jane Chang said something about research, and I'm not yeah. sure what I'm not sure what he said, but um, anyway, let's move on to newspapers. Um, Dr. Chang said something about reading sciences, but then he sent me an email. Dr. Chang said – he sent me this really pleasant email yesterday, um, and he said he was asked at the Frederick GOP debate uh, what newspaper he reads every day. And he, say, and he answered that I do not read newspapers every day uh, – that I do not read newspapers, but some people misunderstood he does not read the news. Um, he said that he reads online news, but he doesn't get a newspaper um, to save trees and, and help the environment. Um, and the changing world, which I think is great. And he said these new products 
and and he just said that he doesn't buy a newspaper basically to help the environment. Yeah, hey, that's legit. See that that's yeah. that's conservatives he, he, using the power he, of the free market to to save the environment. Right, and we we have the internet. I mean, Eric, I personally still prefer a hard copy of a newspaper, but I do find myself reading a lot of online news as well. Um, oh yeah, I, see, I, I have this enormous hill in my front yard, so I don't want to have to go down and get a newspaper in the morning. So I just read it online. <laughs> well, we get it right out in front of our house, and every day we get you know we get our Wall Street Journal and Washington Post, and uh, I I, uh, I read them pretty much every day. Um, and I, and if it sits on my kitchen table. If Kim and I late, usually late at night, I'll read the newspaper. Sometimes first in the morning, I'm still waking up. You know, we usually get up around six, six thirty, mostly six o'clock, and we'll go down, have coffee, and read the newspaper. And if it's nice out, we'll sit on our back deck and read the newspaper. Um, and then Ficker said that he re- oh, this is great. You'll like this. Ficker said he re- he re- um, he he reads the Republican from Garrett County. The Cumberland News Times, and it's actually the Cumberland Times News, so I'm not quite sure Ficker actually reads the Cumberland Times News. And I wouldn't even be surprised because if he actually does read it every day, then he would have surpassed his firewall requirement. So I wonder if Ficker has an online subscription to each of these newspapers. Um, he said he really, he really he reads the Frederick News Post, the Hagerstown Daily Mail. Eric, the Hagerstown Daily Mail <laughs> – it hasn't been called the Daily Mail in over ten to fifteen years. Okay, there used Hagerstown well, used to get two newspapers, and one was the Morning Herald, and the second one was the Herald Mail. Now it was never called the Daily Mail. It was it was the Morning Herald and the Herald Mail. They they stopped two day, They stopped the Morning Herald several years ago, and now it's just the Herald Mail. Yeah, well, I mean, hey, this is the same guy, you know, Frostburg Courthouse, you know, all that stuff. I mean, the guy, oh, oh, honey. <laughs> I mean, <laughs> uh, yeah, yeah, neither. Uh, interesting, interesting. So, um, and then he said he reads, I don't know, the Washington Post, anything that has to do with Maryland. USA Today, Baltimore Sun, anything that has to do with the 6th Congressional District. Howard said he reads the Wall Street Journal and the Washington Times, and he particularly likes the commentary section of the Washington Times. Vote said he reads, he reads online the Frederick News Post. Baker said the Herald Mail. Hober said Washington Post, Wall Street Journal, and New York Times. Painter said he reads news online. And Mason said he doesn't even know what a newspaper is. I know. See, this is why Marines are so adorable. I love them. I, I absolutely love them because Mason said, I don't know what a newspaper is. And then our moderator, who uh, yeah. is um, actually a Navy, who's, who's I believe he's actually um, in the Navy Reserves right now, said, mm-hmm. I expect nothing less from a Marine. <laughs> yeah, that was pretty good. <laughs> yeah, um, in case you're wondering, we, um, you know, military people like to rib on each other's service. This is a common thing. We do it out of love. So, you know, we have about 15 minutes left, and there's never enough time. I should have made this show uh, two hours, but uh, we're going to try to stick within the time frame. And so, Eric, we're just going to—I'm going to bounce around to different couple, a couple different topics. Um, they talked about immigration, and one of the main topics was assimilation. They all believed that assimilation was important, and it, it should be noted that Howard—he was adopted from Spain. Yeah, and yeah. and um, 
he talked about the importance of um, abandoning assimilation from multiculturalism. And it was a very profound answer. I, I, I liked his answer. Um, and then, yeah, I mean, he's a perfect example of how immigration is supposed to work. Yeah. Um, and Hober, um, she had a really great response, too. She said that her mother assimilated by becoming an English teacher. And, and she said that she always thought that was there was some interesting psychology that, about that, and she's never had enough nerve to ask her about that. But she became – Hober's mother became a renowned English teacher in California. And I really – I appreciate that response. Um, and – Ben Fickers said he would support E-Verify. Um, he talked about um, drugs coming into to the, to the number one city in Maryland, and he described Hagerstown, which is interesting. He, he described Hagerstown, Maryland, as the number one city in Maryland. Vote said he would support e, yeah, E-Verify. Baker said he would support E-Verify. Um, and then they Stinson asked about this interesting policy question that I didn't even know that was out there. Um, he talked about the Social Security No Match program. Eric, are you familiar with that? No, no. I, I have. I, I was totally lost when he asked this question. Yeah, yeah. I, I thought it was interesting, um, and it was a. Uh, it's designed to detect false or stolen Social Security numbers. Howard said he would support this and also support E-Verify. Chris Mason said he would support it. And Mason said that um, illegal immigration is being used for invasion and that (laughs) – he said that illegal immigration is nothing more than a Democratic Party voter drive. (laughs) (laughs) Well, I mean he's right. See, this – He's he's right on so many issues. Just get a real campaign, Mason, please. I want to break some news right now. I want to break some news. Ami Hober's soft drink of choice is Diet 7-Up. Oh, man. We both both missed that, Mark. Yes. Um, My diet... I mean, I I like Diet Coke. Kim and I like Diet Coke. Kim actually likes regular Coke, um, but I, I, I like Diet Coke. Anyway, that has absolutely nothing to do with public policy for six congressional debates. Well, so, hey, unless that's your issue. That's right, and that's it's fair enough. Um, so they talked about federal debt and spending, which is another important question to ask in any Republican debate. And he framed it in the context of the city of Flint, Michigan, has been in the news because of, the, of their, their water problem. They have lead in the water and Congress may uh, be proposing $250 million bailout, but Flint has a rainy day fund. Senator Mike Lee from Utah supports does not support a federal bailout. Um, Votes said that the federal bailout is big government micromanaging and that they've seen their fair share of federal spending uh, through the roof. They can't pass the budget to save their lives. Um, and then I think Hober had the best answer in this. And she she nailed it. She she pulled out the old constitutionalist approach, which was really smart, Eric. She said she would not support a bailout. You must minim, minimize the role of the federal government in our lives. The government should not be involved in things it doesn't need to be involved in. Go back to the Constitution. It belongs at the state and local level. I thought that was a really great answer. What say you, Eric? Yeah, no. I mean that's – Flint, Michigan is a product of 
one-party Democrat rule of Michigan for so many years, okay, for a long time it was at the state level, okay, now there's a Republican in there, you know, just in the last few years, okay, the city council of Flint, all Democrats as well as, you know, for the last 50 years or whatever, it's the same kind of thing we see in Baltimore, okay, when we saw the Baltimore riots, okay, this is the product of big government cronyism, okay, you know, advocated for by Democrats. So the solution is, is to, well, maybe people need to stop voting for Democrats to be their mayor. Yeah. I want you know, to fast the forward. The federal government can't come in and be daddy big bucks. <laughs> I agree. I want to fast forward just a bit. And because Eric and I only have about 10 minutes left, I want to get to uh, some of the foreign policy. They, uh, they talked about North Korea, Iran. All the candidates are opposed to the Iranian deal. But Eric, I want to get to a question that uh, you wrote about on Friday and that um, sparked a little bit of a debate on my own personal Facebook status, and it was about um, Edward Snowden. And in a lightning yep. round question, they said – they were asked again well, in the uh, another lightning round about keeping, keeping Gitmo open. All said yes, and the moderator asked, is Edward Snowden a criminal or a hero? Now, see what was my favorite part about this, Ryan, is that I started writing that article about five minutes before you posted your status. And so, like, while I was taking a quick break, I went, I looked on Facebook, I was like, Ryan is like reading my mind right now. This is just crazy. So, I I went ahead and finished the article after that. Well, and I'm very passionate about Edward Snowden um, in in many ways and, and for many reasons that Eric and I can, Eric and I could probably do a whole two hour show on the Snowden episode. And and actually, yeah. Eric, I think we probably should. I, I really do. I think that would be a, an informative topic. Um, oh yeah, that'd be blast. Yeah, we can go into way more depth than my article was. Yeah, um, I think it's something that that needs to be discussed, and it was. Um, Chang said he is a criminal. Ficker said he disapproves strongly of what he's done. Howard said that he thinks what he did was criminal, but he also believes that he's a whistleblower. Vote said he's a traitor and should be treated as one. Baker said criminal and traitor. Hover said yes, and she believes that Edward Snowden is a coward. Painter, Painter said he's a traitor. Now, however, Mason did say he thinks he's a whistleblower, but he didn't go Again. to the right teams to get it done. And I believe that paint that Mason. This is just me, Ryan Miner speaking. Mason had the best answer on that. Yeah, see, again, for like the fourth question in a, you know, in a row, Mason has the right answer. Get a campaign, Mason, please, okay? I, I, believe, that, I believe that Chris Mason was right, okay? If you, you, there's, there's a lot of, uh, you know, I, I wrote a good article about this. Um, when did I post that? A few days ago. And the, the problem with the Snowden issue is that people don't realize contractors can't officially be government whistleblowers. Okay, if you're a contra- you know, if you're a contractor, you try to blow the whistle on fraud, waste, abuse, or illegal activity, they just fire you. They don't actually investigate your claim. Right. So Edward Snowden was a contractor, and as I said in my article, right. he worked for drive- Booz Allen Hamilton. Yeah, he worked for uh, Booz Allen, and so you know, hell, go go drive by when you're driving by Route 32 next time. Look look around the NSA, and you will see. Boeing and Lockheed Martin and Khaki and CSC, every other major military industrial con, con, uh, complex contractor with a big old office right there next to the agency, okay? A large portion of that agency is our contractors. And I think some of them do that on – I think they do that on purpose a little bit. Yeah. They want that expendable person who can't blow the whistle if they're doing something wrong. And so, you know, Chris there's Mason, so I, much. Think, I think he was right. There's now, so, so much. Ron, 
Yeah, Edward Stone's also a coward, okay? I'll tell you that. He should have stood by his principles and been arrested and gone to trial, but he was I don't think he was a traitor. I do agree nor with is he you. A criminal. I I do agree that he should go to trial, but I also believe that he should be getting a deal. But you know Eric as well as I do. My presumption is that Eric he will never see American soil again. No, he will not. I think he'll there. I I think he will die. Outside of the United States, yep, he, he he won't come back because of all the heated partisan rhetoric and people that you know. I mean, would they we would they throw? We wouldn't would know they throw, about all this stuff. Do you think they would throw him in Gitmo? If he even survived to get to Gitmo, I don't think he would. To be honest I think with you, they, I think he would be dead upon getting on America. And, and and this is not a conspiratorial. I don't think he would last. I just don't. I tell you what, if I was him, it wouldn't matter what country I, I'm in, I wouldn't hop on an airplane. Uh, no, I mean, <laughs> there's so much to this. I mean, there's so much that we could talk about with Snowden. Um, they talked about ISIS, whether or not they should be at war and declare war on ISIS. Um, Baker said, you know, if we're not at war with ISIS, then we should be. ISIS is at war with us. Uh I mean, what what country are we going to declare war on? Come on. Well, see, all of what all of the candidates agreed with a position that's actually been put up by uh, Senator Lindsey Graham, which basically would yeah. broaden the authorization for the use of military force to all terrorist organizations and yeah. not restricted by geographic boundaries. Now, me personally, I'm not going to say no, but hell no. Um, so, I because it, it, that's it, it's a completely vague authorization. Okay, what defines a terrorist? Okay, what if they decide the Tea Party are terrorists? Okay, <laughs> what if they decided that the BL that the protesters up in Oregon, the BLM protesters, mm-hmm. what if they decided they were terrorists? Okay, so now you can send active duty military to go kill American citizens on American soil because you passed a terrible authorization for the use of military force. That's yeah, my great. concern with such broad power in the executive branch. There is a lot. Uh, yeah. You could run an entire congressional campaign based upon the broad overreach of power on, in the executive branch, and one of the reasons why I supported Rand Paul is because he said, "I want to go to Washington to <laughs> to reduce the power of the executive branch. I don't want to be. I don't want to ever expand the broad powers. You know, the the FISA courts, all this stuff behind closed doors. This scares me, Eric. It scares me yep. as an American yeah, citizen. And, and 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 see, Ron, I I. You know, I spent some time behind that veil of secrecy in my previous employee, okay? And so I, I know these people. I don't want them having this much power and access. I don't want some analyst at Fort Meade to be able to determine who's a terrorist and who's not and then have the president sign a piece of paper to blow him up with a Hellfire missile. Like, yeah. no. With a drone. <laughs> yeah, with a drone, flying over U.S. soil, you know, operated by the CIA, okay? Because, you, you know, 10 years ago, that meant you were a tinfoil hat conspiracy conspiracy yeah. nut. Today, it just means that you read the Edward Snowden leak. Yeah. Eric, we have about three minutes left, and we can't get into all the policy. I wish we could. I wish I could. I should have expanded the show. Um, debate winners and losers. What do you think? Uh, so, I, you know, as as far as the debate goes, I think that, uh, um, you know, I, I think uh, I, I'm going to give it like a three-way tie, I think, uh, between Ami Hober um, Chris Mason, <laughs> and uh, and I'd say I'd say vote. I think vote did pretty well. He didn't hurt himself or anything. Um, again, Chris Mason, his campaign's terrible, but he's a great debater and he has great positions. So I hate saying that he wins 
because outside the debate he's terrible but um i would say i would i would do it i would do it a little bit differently well i would do a four way tie um and an honorable mention honorable mention i'll start with terry baker had a decent debate terry baker is very um he's not in he's not he doesn't have a whole lot of substance but um he puts it out there and he he says what's on his mind and i like that about him and he gives it to you straight um the the four-way tie would go between mason hober howard who i think had a good debate and and vote none of them did anything to harm themselves um and all, the clear loser out of all of this Robin was Ficker. the only person who got booed during an answer, Robin Ficker. None of the other candidates attacked themselves, attacked one another. They may have had a few policy disagreements, but Robin Ficker just had to put that in there. I mean, he does this kind of stuff. Overall, this was the best debate so far. I, I, I'm, I'm glad the Frederick County GOP did such a great job. There's a couple more debates coming up. Eric, final thoughts. I'll let you take it out. Uh, well, hey, final thoughts. Um, you know, I I want to hear more about some of these policies. I, I would really like to hear more about what all the candidates think about the uh, um, um, authorization for military force for the terrorist organizations. Oh, yeah. Um, we didn't talk about it on here, but there was some talk about um, basically global politics in the South China Sea. Um, there's something else that concerns me because that means I go to Beijing. So I'd also like to hear a little bit more about that. You know, I want to know which candidate is going to try to not send me to a war. <laughs> well, that's – yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, overall, I, I want to thank Mark Schaff. I want to thank the, uh, uh, the the other debate sponsors and everybody who came together and put this together. Frederick County, you guys set the bar high. Um, Holly Stimson, thanks for coming out. Uh, you did a great job moderating the debate. Uh, you you kept it all together. It was it was an excellent excellent opportunity for people to come out and hear um, who could next who could be their next congressman. So with that, uh, Eric, thanks for spending time with us tonight. Um, you can listen to us uh, again on BlogTalkRadio.com and follow us on a minor detail. Com. My name is Ryan Miner. Thank you for listening and have a great evening. Good night. <laughs>